Nerd morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy. This is Joseph. Hi, everybody. And this is the Nerd Morning Show, a place where we celebrate nerd culture by talking about books, video games, comics, movies, and more. And we're going in through our like read-along experience of The Will of Time, and we've been discussing this. And this has been a really fun series, and I've had a lot of fun going through and diving through this series um, Joseph, what are your reactions and thoughts over the last little bit? Uh, last little bit has been uh, reminding me why in the past when I've gone through books 9, 10, 11, that I was kind of like, oh, well, come on, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all good stuff. It's not like it, it's lengthy historical world building stuff that sometimes big fantasy can do yeah it's good but you know the first uh three books cover about a year Mm -hmm. and from three until now i'm in at the uh, the beginning ish of knife of dreams is about another year yeah. So there's just a, and a lot of it makes sense. So instead of kind of following one or two paths, mm-hmm. we're following like four or five. Yes. Right? Yes. So some of that makes sense, but a few of the things are a little bit slower, which is mm-hmm. also okay because we're setting up for other future things. Yes. But going through it as fast as we have been this time mm-hmm. uh, helped with those kind of a little bit slower moments just yeah. to build up not be so ah, i'm gonna take a break now right? yeah i i haven't felt that so that's been nice yeah i every time i think that you jump a point of view for a character you kind of have this like lurch because you have to re-establish, yeah. re-figure out what's going on, re-acclimate, like, uh-huh. and you, have, you yeah. have to do that each time. And that's one of the things I think that in, you know, with eight, nine, and 10, you really start to expand out. And yeah. not only just like main characters, but you start getting things where you have not necessarily the Forsaken, but the servants of the Forsaken, um, yeah. Black sisters or... Uh, uh, people like that that are now part of the um the, the scope of how we're telling stories but these are the bad right. guys these are the interesting right. explorations but they're also people that you haven't had really any significant association with and may not really have significant association with in the future right. but you just have yeah. this, this aside that explores helps it give an explanation to an, a detail or or sets up something and those are good things but i have a harder time grabbing hold of some of those moments yeah. for me because i know that they're transient they're passing experience and right. we get more of those and that's one of the things that i think i struggled with is those those bits even though they're really are interesting you explore some it things adds to the yeah. richness of the story it does totally yeah um but i think it, it as in terms of like momentum it slows right. you down and right. that i think is the strongest heaviest and in, in those ones i feel like at yeah. the end of crossroads of twilight which is book 10 heading in to knife of dreams 
um, you really kick off that speed again. And I, I feel like it speeds up probably faster there than it was ever anywhere else. Um, for me, it just kind of like ramps up and it should, right? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's going somewhere. It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but the, some of those ones are kind of where uh, we're heading towards where uh, it's going to be completed by Brandon Sanderson. And he definitely takes advantage of being able to do asides. Yes. He loves the idea of being able to do some other character or point of view that we're never really going to see again. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like the momentum of the regular main parts of the stories are still pushing there really strong. And so I don't feel like it slows as much as with 8, 9, and 10. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing I think Sanderson did really well mm-hmm. with the Stormlight Archive books. Mm-hmm. He gives us some of those alternate points of view, but they're in the interludes. Yes. So we've got main story, and then we're told it's an interlude. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a nice, easy shift. Yeah. Right? So I like how that's done in stormlight it's compartmentalized and yeah and these ones there's there's less compartmentalization right that's just and the case different eras different styles yeah but, yeah, yeah. Uh, with crossroads which we had finished this over this last you know several days and heading into knife of dreams crossroads was 2003 so we find we've you know we've hit in the 2000s Mm-hmm. Um, Knife of Dreams was published in 2005, um, and I, I think that's interesting with that because we have the first one being 1990. Uh, this is, you know, now been 13 years right. of, of publications for this, and I don't know, like people are still gobbling them up and reading yeah. them. So, like, that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's interesting. It is. It's and it went all the way. Uh, when was uh, the last, the last one? last one, A Memory of Light, 2015? was 2013. 2013. Okay. So, yeah, it, it, it's like a 20-year-plus Yeah, process. that's that. 23 that's, years for publication to publication. Yeah, that's significant. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, Knife of, uh, of Dreams really like, is, a, is a kickoff to one of my absolute all-time favorite story arcs um, with Egwene as Uh, Omerlin in the White Tower captured captured. and ultimately is pushed back in white as um, an initiate, you know, to that. You are now a novice again. Yeah. (laughs) Totally different. We're going to make you an example. Uh Sit you over there in that corner. You're not important at all. And she's just like, you can do whatever you want, but right. I am the armor. Yeah. So bring it on. She right? in, that, in those experiences, she is the most Aes Sedai in what an Aes Sedai's strengths and powers ought right? to be. And she yeah. just embodies it in such an amazing way. And it's amazing. We I haven't really d- dived into that part of the story yet. I've got to where she's captured. She's told all of the the rebels um, of the Aes Sedai you know, that are with right. her who to like don't do anything don't mess yeah. this up 
Yeah. This wasn't the plan, but I'm rolling but, with it, and I have a plan. Uh-huh. And yeah. that's <laughs> the tower is a mess. Yeah. I'm just gonna fix it. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. While in essentially, you know, the metaphorical chains, and also yeah. um, while essentially being beaten constantly. Right. Uh, which like is every day. Yeah. So, yeah. One of the things that I absolutely love this um, is there's some of my like all time big, big heroes uh, throughout history are people like uh, Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr., who civil disobedience was how they were able to stand up and show yeah. the powerfulness of their yeah. message and idea. Non violent. Yes. Civil disobedience. Yeah. And she, she didn't ever do anything right over um, or make problems. She just refused to be put down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She would not bend. And because she would not bend, despite anything that they would do to them in the, uh-huh. on, on the opposition, they ended up having to say, okay, you win. We cannot break <laughs> you. Like, right? that's. <laughs> That to me is amazing. And some of those like real life heroes who, you know, paved the path, obviously different ways, but I think in that same vein of resilience and resistance, um, like, I don't know, I find those stories to be tremendously powerful. And so her story kind of Mm -hmm. as well, it has this like resonance that is just very deep for me. Like I get hit by that. And I, it's a one, it's, probably one of the most emotional uh affecting parts of the story as like a whole arc where there's certain Uh things like where rand i'm just like i'm gonna cry right now right because there's such a powerful moment but this is like a whole arc that's just so emotional the whole way through yes for me at least so diving into that and i'm so excited for it it's a great part now did you do um a new spring um so uh, where, i where are you doing that one so i actually did that at the very beginning of okay. my scope which i which is we, we talked about how we would normally choose to do it and usually right. um i would be doing it probably between crossroads and knife of dreams right um, that's where it no longer has any spoilers it was yes. written to be non-spoilery yes. uh-huh someplace that someone new could use it as a starting in point yeah that's how robert jordan intended it mm. but yeah it's it's either there or uh, where i chose to read it in publication order this time yeah. so yeah uh, right right before path of daggers and uh i it was so fun <laughs> i got wow. through it in a day <laughs> oh goodness it. uh i i love just that that gentle story arc bringing in a few of the tidbits of of moraine and swan um starting their their journey their mission which is more or less self-appointed the Omerlin kind of is like you know about this because you mm-hmm. were there for the for the um telling the, yeah for the, vi- the vision essentially yeah, yeah. right so I'm not going to stop you here. Here you go. Uh, and they take it and they run with it. And mm-hmm. so that's fascinating. I love when uh, Moraine 
meets land <laughs> yeah and that that story and process of her you know figuring out he's not the dark friend he uh-huh. is a good and honorable man and he would totally be super loyal and a great help to her yeah and I love that story arc. So it's yeah. totally worth including and should be included in a full read through, not just a, totally. oh, it's the prequel. I'm going to leave it out. Right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So a couple of things that really are surprising to this is we get Swan as a younger person. Yeah. And Swan <laughs> is a big deal through the whole story as yeah. Omerlin, as, um, post Omerlin, all of that yeah. type of ex- uh-huh. like she's got a she's one of like the most powerful people in the world for a long time right and what's fascinating is this is only set 20 years before and yeah. moraine as well it she's they're roughly the same age right they're and like they 22 or something yeah and yeah. so these are very very young Aes Sedai uh-huh. and they're very young Aes Sedai even through the events of the main story. And I think yeah, that's really. significant because an Aes Sedai holding the Ulthrod can be like up to like 300. It's kind of right. like their max out age. And without that, you know, you can be like the 600 years old or something like that. Uh-huh. So you have a lot of these other Aes Sedai who are much older, much more experienced. I mean, a lot of them kind of trap themselves in the tower and don't do anything. That's and uh, definitely an issue that they have, but they are still like they've got many years uh, above them. Yet, right. um, we had a very young Omerlin with Swan and Moraine going out hunting down this quest and then trying to guide Rand and all that is coming from a very young Aes Sedai in right. the scope of their tenure Which serving probably in the White Tower. helps them be a little bit more flexible mm-hmm. as they start to see, especially yeah. Moraine, we're going to have to bend with this a little bit. We can't yes. just say, do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they can't be unmovable in this right. situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I find that's very interesting. Sedai, yeah. Yeah. Many other Aes Sedai. That's not the case. No. Uh, so even... they, they've been doing that same thing the same way for 150 years. And if it was good enough, then it's good enough now. Right. Right. Totally. I, I, even Cat Swain, mm-hmm. who, when we first meet her, is super rigid. I know I, I've yes. done it. Just let me leave me. I'm going to do it. Right. Uh, even she learns a little bit to bend. Yeah. And anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I find that to be that detail be really interesting because, like, I would not have been surprised if they had been saying, oh, you know, Swan's 150 years old. Like, I would not have been shocked. I would have been like, okay, cool, or whatever. Uh But, like, they're both very young. And that's like a big part of this is Swan, who is kind of setting herself up to be able to have a lot of power in the White Tower. Moraine, who's going to go out and adventure and be an adventuring right. type sister. Do the hunting. Um, uh-huh. And then we get Lan and like his background and those <laughs> types of things. And uh-huh. Lan, like I've said before, is one of my all-time favorite characters. He Seriously. is like my all-time yeah. favorite character in the series. Okay. And uh, we get more of him. We get to see him kind of rough around the edges, purposeless 
really. He thinks that he has a purpose. Yeah, he has a Um, purpose. He goes back to it at the end of the series. Yeah. But Moraine gives him purpose again, which is honestly super merciful and helpful, Uh kind. Yes. At that moment when his oldest, last friend Uh who raised him is killed. Right. Right. So that's. And, and I think like you could see yeah. him where, I mean, yes, he did a purpose, but he was like stabbing in the dark in any direction that he could to try to fight this fight that he thought he had to fight. Yep. And she's like, no, here, I'm going to give you an arrow, this arrow point. You're going yep. to go this direction in this path, and this will help you fight the battle you want to fight. Yeah. And that I think was so important for him yeah. to survive really yeah. um, in the ways Other- that he did. Yeah, if she had been there and gotten made him a warder, he would have gotten on his horse and would have ridden into the blight and fought until he died, which probably would have been within a month or two. Yeah. I'll give him yeah. two months because he's land. Right? That, that's pretty generous, <laughs> I think. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that direction and that guidance. And later, Nynaeve uh, saying, okay, this is important to you. I'll help you with this. I'll take mm-hmm. you to the borderland. And she takes him to the borderland clear over there. Right. <laughs> I wanted to go over here. So he, yeah, yes. she helps him. Uh, not the way he's thinking he needs. Uh-huh. He really does need. And it turns out to be very important. So. Oh yeah. And he gets to be like, to me, like, like a lot of people like love like Aragorn and Lord of the Rings. Like they yeah. just had this like, embodiment of like positive masculinity i think we've actually talked about that that. and i'm just like Uh when he goes in that last battle i'm just like this is a man right i was like this is like this is i just like love it so much and yes i I uh, love that positive masculinity i think we need more of that yeah um it's it's a pretty interesting character and i just love being able to dive into that yeah um, one of the things I think is interesting is like in the tail end, at least of um, the of like winter of I guess Crossroads of Twilight into Knife of Dreams. We don't really get a much for a while for um, Elaine and Nynaeve uh, through. Yeah, oh, not a lot. Nynaeve is now with Rand. That's yeah, kind of all and we and we yeah. don't really do a lot with Rand because we don't really do a lot with Rand. Let's let's right. be real. He is one of the key characters, obviously, but he's kind of a thing of rumor and of myth. And we see him through rumors and myths a lot. And that's yep. how he his story is told. And so we don't get as much of that first person experience. So like that's there. And Egwene, she's off fighting for her kingdom and they kind of like had a pause on that story arc uh-huh. for a little bit but also because you can only juggle so many um right. stories yeah and, and again this is kind of that slow down for a minute mm-hmm. we got to catch everybody back up to the same point yeah. so yeah uh-huh uh one of the the i guess we got two big stories that are going on other than um Egwene's is matt's story uh-huh. <laughs> and side groups story right. and i uh, i want to i want to hit parents first because it is a little bit earlier in the story and then dive yep. into matt and i just have lots of lots of love for matt's story so right <laughs> um, 
with, with Perrin, he's going and he's like, okay, we're going to make a deal with the Sean Chan, which is like a big, like, he's like, right. Well, that like, could be I'm, considered treason in, oh, totally. in many ways at this yeah. point. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. And he's like, I'm pretty much signing my, my uh, signing a deal with the dark one or as close to it as I could imagine myself doing. Uh-huh. And, and he's not wrong in no. the scope of the perspectives of the situations at the time. Like he's right. willing to do anything in order to um, go and rescue Fail. And he's got a cool plan. Like, he's thinking. If if Fael could see his brain working on this one, mm -hmm. she would have just been like, oh, okay, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Though she's on on a mission, and her story inside of the camp is awesome. Yeah, and just about we're, we're, we've had a little bit of it. We kind of see what's going on with it. Where she's setting up her plan uh, and he's she's setting, setting up his up, plan. Uh-huh. Yeah, but nothing's happened yet, but I know it. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, right. Uh-huh. It's like, oh. They're both so good. <laughs> and the thing is, is we really praise Matt for his tactician skills because this guy's a genius. Yeah. Uh, Perrin but... is, at least in this moment, in this battle, he is genius. Oh yeah, tactician wise, brilliant. And I'm sure he had a few suggestions and and thoughts going back and mm-hmm. forth, especially with the Aiel, um, as well as the other uh, generals and support there from Mayen. Um, yeah, but, uh, I think this kind of goes back to where he's always described as slow mm-hmm. like intentionally slow methodical like he, is the methodical word I would is, use. there yes. you go and uh, uh, so he's he's knows he can't just rush in and grab her and it's done he's realized that now that initial fervor has worn off yeah so now he's back to his methodical thinking he's going to think it through he's going to do it right so she comes out alive he mm-hmm. doesn't care about anything else right yeah. now really yeah yeah so that that's where his genius comes to play is that depth of thought that he has mm-hmm. trained himself his entire life to be able to do yeah so. that's that's a really cool thing and it's it really shows his core nature in a great way and also i think how he's grown over yeah over the process of the stories because the beginning parent could never execute this strategy, this plan. Um, He he would have been thoughtful. He would have had, yes. And uh, we see when, you know, when he had his really big story arc in the shadow rising uh, in the two rivers, like Mm -hmm. he would have been like, anyone else has an idea right and then ultimately i'll begrudgingly like go and take take the lead like that was him here he's yeah. like i'm in charge i'm on a mission right. you're going to bend <laughs> over and do what i need done because i've got to go and do this thing like yep. that was a huge huge shift but yes. the core of him is also very very consistent with this and i i just like i'm very satisfied by that experience Oh, definitely. When everything comes together and all of the plans actually work out pretty well together, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah! (laughs) So, yes, looking forward to that part again. Uh Yes. Okay, Matt. Matt. Uh, Yeah, for a while I was like, wait a minute. 
we left Matt under a building, <laughs> All right? <laughs> the, a building fell on him, if I recall. <laughs> and yeah, there's this huge stretch where we're like, there's no Matt. And uh-huh. we, we come back to him and Sean Chen have completely taken over their ruling. Uh-huh. Everything is just there and done. And we're like, Okay, Matt's fine. But what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> right? So his, his plans to get out and get going uh, are... And then anyway. being having a dragon yeah. to rescue all of the Aes Sedai there. Right. Um, then he's just like, oh, dang uh, it. It's another thing I have to worry about. Oh, this is another thing I have to worry about. Um, <laughs> um, Classic Matt. Right. Uh, I don't want to do it, but it's the right thing. So, okay, I will. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is because he he is described as the hero. Like that's that's who he is, the hero and the gambler. Right. Those uh-huh. are his two things. But he's a begr- begrudging hero, and but he's always going to do the right thing. He but he's he just does. He just does. He that's and I love it. It's it, it's he's very very endearing. And, you know, he's rough around the edges and he's a little bit of a rascal and all those types of things. And those things make him very dynamic and likable as well. Yes. Um, because you see his flaws and he's not ashamed of who he is. And that's also an attribute that's just really, really likable. He is who he is. And that's just like, you take it or leave it. And if you don't yep. want that, then like Sorry. you move on and he's okay like he's uh-huh. not he's not offended uh, i don't know i just love him and this is really i think this story is where i have the most fun with his character oh definitely during the escape when he meets tuan the mm-hmm. dreaded daughter of the nine million <laughs> right he's been he's been asking girls since like right. like what like book three or something four. like that yeah book four like, uh-huh. and he's like are you does, does this, this mean this, anything this, any, <laughs> no good all <laughs> right yeah let's dance um yep. and yeah he unbeknownst to him does the first half of the wedding ceremony right <laughs> and i love how everything he does is like an accident but not like an accident but just like it's who he is and it's, yeah. it's the right thing like yeah. um my you know he goes and gives a flower or playing some games and doing things like that and when he goes and buys the horse yeah and then this to being uh-huh. a specific like part um I, in in a form of the um according ceremony experience uh-huh. yeah um like that all is just like just being him being him and him being him just like gets him in what he would think deeper and deeper into this trap though it's right. not but that's like how he sees it and yeah. like, i just i'm gonna marry her so i may as well get to know her a little bit I yeah. may as well be nice to her. And yeah. Stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. I, it gets to a point where he wants to be caught in this trap, you know, right. and he's, he's, <laughs> he is eager and excited about this, but initially, you know, terrified and very unsure. And then, <laughs> right. you know, the, this is the daughter of the nine moons. <gasps> She's my wife. <laughs> like, just, ah, <laughs> I know. Oh, you just see that, like, the 
he, he I bet he looked like he was poleaxed. Just oh yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, she's my wife. Oh, that she's the one that's been following me around all over the place. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just that that moment is just right. Oh, so um, wonderful. <laughs> but th- th- I don't know. Their courtship though is very interesting, and I think it there's is. they're talking about like uh, in in this one where they're their courtship is being discussed by others that they're uh, both playing two different games. And this is, this is, <laughs> this is described. And he, Matt's trying to win her over to learn about her, all that kind of stuff. And she is suspicious yep. of who he is in the significance right. of Why the world. Why would he say that? Yeah. And later she learns he truly had no clue what he was doing. Yeah. But also she's looking for the horn sounder. uh She's looking for a connection to the dragon reborn. She's looking for a, some type of like foretelling of the man who uh, has seen the, um, the face of. uh, uh, Luz Theron. No, no. Um, yeah, her ancestor. Theron? No, oh, you're right. Um, oh, now that you asked, <laughs> I know, right? Um, Arthur Pendrag. Arthur Pendrag. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so Arthur Hawkwing. Arthur Hawkwing. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Arthur Hawkwing. We found. We got it. there. We got there. Um, but he has. He's seen it in his memories, and oh. he blew the horn and has seen him. So he has, in all respects, seen the face of this ancient dead one and Uh um this is somehow a prophecy to her someone she's supposed to ally herself to yeah Um, we don't have all of her story but she's got these things that she's mm -hmm. looking for yeah and matt just happened to meet enough of them to catch her attention to 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 stick around and she Uh asks him really point blank a couple of these questions yeah and he's like like these are his deep dark secrets no yeah. one knows about this because he doesn't want anyone to know about this because he's a normal, ordinary guy who just doesn't want to get killed on a battlefield. Right. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, and um, he doesn't want any of these things to be associated with him because he thinks, well, that type of stuff's going to get you killed. Right. And I don't want to get killed. And I this is his that. logic. That's it. That's uh-huh. as far as it goes. Right. <laughs> um, and so he's like, uh, keep on avoiding and keep on avoiding. And so she's sticking around because every time she brings up something, he like reacts very poorly. Right? And so she knows <laughs> I'm poking at something that has something there. Yes. But until I know what it is, I can't know. I can't act this way or that way. Right. Um, and in her mind, one way is I'll either kill him and leave or oh, sure, I guess I'll marry him. Yeah, it will be advantageous to me as I try to unify this land under me. And she, one of her big, big goals is to make Randolph Thor kneel at her feet. Not necessarily, I think, because she wants to be seen as the ruler of everything, which I mean, yeah, she does kind of. But it's kinda, because but... she she sees that as her her role, her part of the prophecy. Yep. And in order to save the world, she has to get that guy to kneel. And so she has to build any connections she can to Randall Thor to make him get over there so she can kneel. Like, that's like her logic. And so she says, okay, she sees the connections all with through, through Matt eventually as those things get uncovered. And then she's like, okay, 
I'm building a union. This is a political move, I think, as far as anything else for her. Um, there is romance there. I'm not discrediting yeah, I was, I was going to say, that being <laughs> said, I yeah. think she really starts to like him. Yes. Um, she does. Yes. So, yeah. uh, especially since he's going to go run off and fight against her or run off and fight other armies. In, like, yeah. I mean, and she's cool right. At that to split, let him go and do whatever. Uh-huh. And so I think she wouldn't have been able to like let him go all of those ways if he was just a tool you know right if the union was just political right. so yeah there's definitely more there with them uh than that but like her yeah. main objective is she is responsible for all of the nations of the shan chan she has to make sure that when she marries it is for purpose and so there um we I think see the foundation of why she's sticking around, why she yeah. chooses to marry, all of yeah. that kind of stuff. For sure. But, but it's still cute. It's right? cute. It's fine. <laughs> and everyone does not get along. There's a yeah. lot of intrigue throughout the whole thing. The Aes Sedai are oh, yeah. with you know with Domani or like ex-Domani, right? You've got uh, Tuan, who wants to chain them up, in fact, right. does. Yeah, I, that's exactly where I am. She just put on the um, the thingy dingies, uh, and I, I'm going to let you like call that. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, the, the thingy dingies. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But um, the idom. There we go. Yep. Because. Yep. Um, <laughs> the Aes Sedai, the one who was never actually a Domani, is getting all uppity. Like, Uh earlier in this book, she's all uppity, and Matt spanks her. Right? This this is an Aes Sedai who wants to get put put a little bit of control on, because she's... The world's not operating the way she thinks it should be operated, and she thinks that she's in charge, and she's She's, she's a person and needs to be yeah. able to ride the currents of the world, but like, doesn't. <laughs> she, she doesn't understand the danger she's in. Right. Because Tuan could take her and just, that would be it. Yeah, yeah. Um, she doesn't really feel or express the gratitude due Matt, which kind right. of happens. This is like constant him thing for lot. him. <laughs> Why is it that he rescues all of these people all of the time <laughs> and no one, no one is grateful? I just, right? ugh. But when it's, I love the part when um, uh, I, Avienda learns right? that Matt rescued her from not one, but two forsaken. Uh-huh. And everything that happened in the tower, like yeah, he, with Elaine and he opened the door for you. You you hadn't opened the door. You might have yeah. knocked out the Aes Sedai on guard, but yeah. but uh, he was and there and he went he in. Got, to, yeah. He got you out. He went in to help you, right? Knowing and, that knowing, there were there was that was what he was facing. And Avienda is like, you have been mean to him like this. When you owe him that debt, right? Uncool. Oh, I, I that, love that, right? Uh, uh, yes, and Elaine. I think Elaine, ninety, not so much, but I think Elaine actually stops and thinks. Oh yeah, 
I guess we were kind of screwed and he did save us. So Yeah, uh, well, like yeah. one of the things is is they just for Elaine, and I think I mean Nynaeve has her own scenarios and things, but for Elaine, she's this like princess who has had every, uh-huh. like, for people bending over backwards for her, it was commonplace, right? Yeah, because you're a princess. And right. so she kind of expects specs it as like, oh, you know, this is just my subject doing his duty and doesn't really stop and see him as like a, a human going right. and doing an exceptional yeah. kindness to someone who really doesn't have any specific ties to you. No, really? Not really. And, and, and he, he was the knight in shining armor. Yeah. And he was. <laughs> they just did not see him uh-huh. as this thing. Right. And I think there as she, as she stops and really starts to think about it, she, it dawns on her. And I think, that whole experience is going to help her be a better queen and helps her to see people as people far more. And I think uh, helps her in her ruling because um, she had to look at people in a little different way because she was tremendously entitled and that helped to break that down a little bit for her. Yep, it helped um, her trust Telmanus and the band of the Red Hand. Right. Later, later on, in to save her people. Yeah, that's Which what Telmanus does. Is yeah. he saves the people of Kyrian. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't think she would have trusted Telmanus or the band without recognizing Matt as the good guy. Yeah. That he really is. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah, Matt is the unsung hero, really. <laughs> uh, I love, love, love his character so oh, yeah. much. And really, we get to see, we've seen him slowly grow and progress. But like this, this journey uh-huh. as he's like courting is just it's just fun. It's just <laughs> it, fun. It really is. And it's the it's the best of the romances in <laughs> in this book. Personally, totally. I, I can't sit down and read a especially not a modern day romance i've uh-huh. done jane austen right sure but yeah i've gone through all of those a, a modern romance just this like oh ah, i i can go through it and read it especially with my wife okay you know sure. you do those things but it's this type of romance that i actually get into where mm-hmm. there's a little bit of Oh, will she? Will she? Is she gonna kill him or what? You know? Right. And and, the, and Matt is actually trying to be sweet. Right. Right. So this type of romance, I totally get. I'm all over it. I can handle this in a book. So yeah. I I find it a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. Oh man. Yep. And I just need to keep on reading. I'm so excited. I'm like heading into the the ultimately the fated last battle and that's that's cool that's real cool so we're on we're on book 10 and is it 10 or 11 11 11 yeah yeah we're on 11 of the 14 main books so Uh yeah and we've uh, oh this is the last robert jordan then yes the last one that robert jordan wrote himself Yep. The, and then we're into uh, the, the Sanderson the ones by completed, Sanderson. completions. Uh-huh. So Robert Jordan intended this to be the second to last book. Uh huh. Because Sanderson took everything and basically said, 
um, he has too much hair for one. Yeah, and I think really, if Robert Jordan was still around to finish the story, he, he would have would've broken realized. it up. Maybe he yeah. would have done it too. Maybe he would have done it in five. But I don't but... think that it would have been one more book. <laughs> I'm very so confident much. that that would not be the case. Some yeah. of the things that I know Brandon Sanderson expanded was some of the stuff that was in the Black Tower. Yeah, and he did some of those things that were kind of his his exploration. Um, yeah, he added a and, little bit to to fill in and and, and helped round out books. Yeah, yep. um, yeah, all that. But like, there's a lot that needed covering because also I think like there's this the analogy that if you have like a gun in the mantle and that's a part of your story, that gun needs to get fired in that story. Like, right? If that's the thing. You it, have to fire all your guns, and you have to like you have to do that. And we've got a lot of things set up like with the black tower and a lot of other things that like mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of things were like set up and right. you had to fire all the, all of those off you had to in order to story. be able to yes. go like, okay, yes, those are concluded. Those are wrapped up. We've got it. And yeah. so Brandon Sanderson does a great job of that. And like, I was like looking at some of the listings here. Uh, a lot of the books that Robert Jordan did, you know, one's like, uh, with the shadow rising is 891 we get down to like crown of swords which is 635 these are the page numbers uh-huh. uh, uh the page counts on them with the next three the gathering storm towers of midnight and memory of light we've got 766 843 um and we have 909 all of these are the hardback numbers right. um but yeah. the like that's a lot of pages that's a that lot needed to yeah. get covered here uh-huh. and like it was it's so important so i'm yeah. really excited to be discussing those next week as we start to dive into some of those yep. and uh yeah so guys everyone stay tuned you know we're, we're nearing to the end of this exodus um yes. going through this as we're getting ready for the show i'm really excited to be watching this series and we'll probably have some commentaries on that regarding as well so look forward to all that stuff um for future videos thank you guys so much and um we'll catch you all <laughs> next time <laughs> <laughs>